a little bit this week as we jump right into the word here uh, and dive into this Bible class here uh, this evening. Last week, we opened up um, talking about prayer and fasting. And I want to, and we really heavily dealt on fasting. I want to talk about prayer and fasting as well uh, today because uh, I really want to give some clarity and understanding when it comes to the importance of prayer and fasting. And I want us to also, and I'm going to um, speak heavily on fasting again. So last week we opened up by making a statement, and if you haven't had an opportunity to watch it, please watch it. Uh, speaking of ease of use, you can go to our website, and uh, there there is a button there that says Media Archive. You can literally press on that Media Archive uh, icon there, and it will take you to all the services that we have recorded. With that said, we opened up with a statement by saying that we are not, once you are saved, you're not always saved, all right? Uh, there are some pockets of religion. There are some people that believe that once you are considered saved, that you are always saved. And I, I want to open up with that again and really dive into that and really bring in the importance of fasting. Because once you are what we consider saved, you are not always saved. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible speaks specifically on that there is a process in order to enter the kingdom of God. That process is, is found in John chapter 3, verse number 5, where Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, and he said, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus was letting him know that there is a process in order to enter the kingdom of God. And that process is that you must be born again, speaking of the spirit, not the flesh, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. And so there's also a process to remain in the kingdom of God. So once you have been born into the kingdom of God, there's a process to remain in the kingdom of God. That is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27, where Paul is speaking. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into Subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul is now saying that again, there is a process in order to stay in the kingdom of God. So in verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, but I keep under my body. The word keep under means to beat so hard that it causes bruises. That's what keep under means to beat so hard that it causes bruises. So oftentimes you will hear this verse explained as a fighter, as a boxer, and as he's going through training, as he's allowing the, the, the spar opponent to hit him in his body because he's preparing himself for the actual match. So Paul now is saying that 
we must continue to prepare ourselves so that when we are attacked by the enemy, we are able to sustain or stand firm still in the kingdom of God. Why? Because once you are saved, you are not always saved. Because the Bible says that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul is clearly letting us know that there is a process to stay in once you are in the body of Christ. Because Paul was once in the body of Christ, or excuse me, he was in the body of Christ. And so Paul was born of water, he was baptized, and he was born in the spirit. He had received the Holy Ghost. That's what it is to be born again of water and of spirit. To be born of water is baptism in Jesus Christ. To be born of spirit is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We find that in Acts chapter 9, starting at verse number 17. It says, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and listen and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Then in verse number 18, it says, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So there's the born of water. So now we see that Paul here was born of water and he was born of the spirit. And it is that same Paul saying that I could be a castaway unless I subject myself. So here's Paul being endowed with power because that's when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. Here he is a person that is speaking not with lack of understanding, but he has understanding that he has power now through the Holy Ghost. But even that he has been endured with this power, he must fall into subjection through with this flesh. He must subject this flesh. That's what he's talking about. So when he's talking about beating his body, he's not talking about the spirit, but he's talking about the flesh. So we must beat this flesh. We must put this flesh under subjection because if we don't put it under subjection, it doesn't matter what is in you. That's why the scripture says, quench not the spirit. So even the spirit that is in you, your flesh can quench it if we don't deny ourselves and follow after Jesus Christ. But he had to keep his body under subjection in order to remain saved. That is what Paul had to do. We see this in the very beginning, even with Adam and Eve. All right. The Bible says in Genesis chapter two, verse number eight, it says, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, this is interesting because that tells me that Adam was not in the Garden of Eden when he formed him. But God formed man, and then he created the garden eastward, the Bible says, of Eden, and then he placed Adam in the garden. All right? So anytime we find where God creates something um, for us or he allows something to take place for us, and he moves in a certain area. In this case, he created the garden. He created the area of protection. He created the area of safety. He created that area for the man. And then he placed the man in 
his protection. He placed them in his care. He placed them to where he had no need of nothing. He didn't have to work for a thing. Why? Because when God does something for us, we don't have to necessarily work for it. It's already been provided for us. So when God begins to open up doors for us, we don't have to ram through it. No, the door has already been opened through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, that's how you can know when you're in the will of God or you're doing things in your own flesh. When you're in the will of God, things just begin to open for you. Doors begin to open. Ways begin to make for you. You look back and say, wow, look what the Lord has done because you begin to understand and see how God made the way for you. If you find yourself to where you are colliding against wall after wall after wall, I challenge you to go back to the drawing board. And our drawing board should be prayer. Our drawing board uh, should be on our face and on our knees. We should go back to prayer and ask God, are we in his will or not? So everything Adam and Eve needed was in the garden. Everything that we need is in the kingdom of God. But in order to remain under that care, in order to remain under safety or in his protection, they had to keep their bodies under subjection. And that took obedience to his word. We know the story to where we understand that they could freely eat of everything. Anything in the garden was theirs. It didn't matter. Any, anything and everything that was in the garden was under their subjection. But all they had to do was be obedient to not eat of this one tree. And so we understand that once they had a lack of obedience and they ate the fruit, they were removed from eternal life or they were removed from the eternal fellowship with God. So once they were placed in the care or protection of God, they were not always in that care of protection if they lacked obedience. And so that is key. We must continue to humble ourselves and make sure that we are, are obedient to God's word because that is the easiest and quickest way to remove yourself from the kingdom of God if you lack obedience. And so now that is important that we must be obedient to his word. And this flesh does not want to be obedient to his word because the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. But the Bible says that we must deny ourselves to take up the cross daily and follow after him. And that's why, my friend, fasting is so important. That's why I am really wanting to teach and get people to understand that we must fast. We must move beyond waiting for the pastor to call a fast for us to take time to fast. We must move beyond in our own spiritual walk and our own spiritual desire to know more about him that well, I'm not waiting on a preacher to tell me when to fast, but I must have my own desire to say I'm going to sacrifice for you today. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge every person and every listener out there that you should literally be fasting once a week. I want to challenge you on that. You ought to get to the place where you are fasting once a week. Your spiritual walk should be so to where once a week you should be sacrificing something for God. Now, I want to make this very clear because when it comes to fasting, you must do it at your pace. You must do it. You can't compare someone else's fasting life to your fasting life. There's some people that can go multiple days with fasting. Well, if you've never fasted before, I don't encourage you to go two, three days of fasting. You must take 
baby steps, if you will, in the process. And, and, and God understands and he will honor that process. But we must have a process. If you're not doing anything, if you're not, or if you're waiting on someone else to tell you to fast, then you're not having your own walk, your own relationship with him. Let me give you an example. The Bible lets us know that Adam had his conversation uh, with God and uh, God had his conversation with Adam and God told Adam, hey, you know, you can freely eat of any tree in this garden, but just don't eat of that tree that's in the midst of the garden. And so it's interesting because when the serpent came to Eve, Eve told the serpent, if you read in the book of Genesis and understand that Eve told the serpent, we cannot eat of the fruit, nor can you touch it. See, but God never told Adam he could not touch it. See, so it's important to understand, and what I'm bringing out here is that that's when the enemy used, he said, no, I, God didn't say you can't touch it. He didn't say you couldn't do that. And so now here, Eve, her relationship with God is through someone else. It is because of what Adam has told her, and Adam has set boundaries for her, obviously, because that's what oftentimes we do. We set boundaries for people, and that, but Eve only lived her life based on a boundary and not a relationship. See, when you wait on the pastor to tell you when to fast, you're living your life on a boundary, not a relationship. And your walk with God is a personal walk with him. It is a relationship with him. You should not wait on someone else to instruct you what to do, but you should have a desire, a hunger to go after God and allow him to speak to you. And I promise you, he will lead you in the right path. And when you have that type of relationship, when boundaries are set, they're not a problem, whether the boundaries are set from the preacher or whether you have your own personal conviction from God because you have a relationship with him. See, when, when Brother Carson was senior pastor here, we, he would ask me to do things, it was not a problem. I was willing to humble myself and submit myself under his leadership, regardless if I agreed with it or not. It had nothing to do with that. It's because I wanted to please the king of kings. I wanted to please the Lord of lords. I wanted to please him. And in order to please him, I had to submit myself under authority. See, when people have a hard time submitting themselves under authority, that tells me you don't have a one-on-one -on -one me and you problem. You have a this way problem. You have a God problem. That's the problem that you have. You don't have a problem this way. You have a problem that way. See, when you get the things sorted out in your life to where you decide to have your own relationship with him this way, relationships this way will never do you no harm. They won't do you any harm in your spirit. So it's important that you have a life and a walk of fasting. Fasting should be a lifestyle, not just something that you sometimes do throughout your life. We spoke last Wednesday how fasting affects faith. And we mentioned Hebrews 11 and 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance, excuse me, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want us to look at this pretty closely here because it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance there, if you used to break that word down, substance, it starts with S-U-B, and oftentimes when we hear uh, words that start with sub, like submarine, uh, subfloor, we understand that it, it involves under, 
right? And so here we are talking about now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, the word substance in Hebrew uh, is pronounced hupostasis. So hupostasis. And hupostasis means things put under or substructure or foundation. So the word substance means substructure or foundation. So the scripture says now faith is the substance or faith is the foundation of things hoped for. So it's given us understanding to know that in order to have faith, your hope must be on a certain foundation. It must be on the correct foundation. Okay? It must be on the correct subfloor. Your foundation must be correct or the things that you hope for will not have any hold or substance. The reason why I say that is because the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so how can your hope be deferred? How can your heart become sick because your hope is deferred? The only way your hope can be deferred is if it's not on the right foundation. But if your foundation is sure, if your foundation is, is solid, if, this, if Christ the solid rock, Jesus Christ the solid rock that you stand on is your foundation, then that's what your hope should be in. Your hope should be on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me right now? I hope that you're getting me. I hope that you're understanding what I'm saying because this is important. The Bible says now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substructure. Your faith is the foundation of things hoped for. So it's important to know what is your hope in. If your hope has a sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ, then your hope should never be deferred. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the scripture says that if you make sure that you're on the right foundation, then you will have evidence of things not seen. But if you are not on the right foundation, then there's no way you can see things in the spirit and grab hold to it and say, that belongs to me. But it's easy when you're not standing on a sure foundation that when things get a little rocky or when things come your way that you're not sure of and it's throwing off the vision, your spiritual vision, see, now your substance is not sure. Your foundation, your subfloor, your foundation is not sure. And that's when we become unsure. But it is important that whatever you are hoping for, that hope is on and in Jesus Christ. And when your foundation, we know that. We know that this church wouldn't be able to stand the way it stands if it did not have a sure foundation. Your home wouldn't be able to stand the way it stands if it didn't have a sure foundation. That is the fundamental thing. You, there, there are those buildings that go so high up in the sky in downtown Indianapolis or even here in typical New County or you go to different cities, those buildings that go so high, they have to go so low in the ground before they can go so high. There's a certain depth that you have to reach in order to get to a certain height. It's the same way in the spirit. You have to go so deep in the spirit. There's a certain depth that you have to get to in order to have a certain height. See, many people want the height, but they don't want the depth. Because the depth takes sacrifice. The depth takes digging. The depth takes a long time. But in order for you to get to where you want to get to, you have to put in the sacrifice, the effort. What are we talking about today? The prayer and the fasting. That is your depth. That is your foundation. So the higher you want to go, the deeper you have 
to sacrifice and submit yourself and to beat yourself, as Paul said, under subjection. Because when God gives us a word, when God gives me a word, my faith has to grab hold to it. It is my faith that grabs hold to the word that God gives me. Nothing else can grab hold to it other than my faith. Because when my faith grabs hold to it, now I take what he has given me and I deposit it into the foundation that I stand upon. Uh-huh. I don't deposit it into anything else, but I take what he has given me and I deposit it into the sure foundation. Because when I deposit it there, I know it's on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And that's what I stand upon. So even when my flesh wants to get in the way or when my flesh tells me it's not going to happen, I go back to the foundation. And I rest in and I trust in that God will take care of me. Because it must be grasped by the spirit. And the only thing that can hinder what God wants to do in the spirit is our flesh. That's why Jesus said, and I said this earlier, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Fasting and prayer has changed my life. It's changed my life. This is why I believe in it. I know it to work. It has changed my life. It has literally altered the course of my life. My wife and I, before we made the, the absolute decision to come to the city of Lafayette, we prayed and we fasted daily. I, I, I've shared with some, and I share it with many today, that coming here was one of the toughest decisions of my life. And when I say my life, it also affected my family. And my wife and I did not take that lightly. So we prayed and we fasted. Every night, my wife and I would lay by that bed. We would hold each other's hands and we would pray. Every night, every night, we would lay by that bed, we would get on our knees, we would hold each other's hands, and we would pray. And we would say, God, put us where you want us to be, not where we want to be. And you better believe it took fasting for both my wife and I to make sure that our emotions and that our flesh would not dictate our decision. Because emotionally, we wanted to make certain decisions. Our flesh always wants the easy route and what we think is convenient. But we had to discipline ourselves. We had to make sure, is this the right thing? Because I knew that if we prayed and we fasted and we were in it together, that once we stepped foot into the city, it didn't matter what took place, that we knew that we were in the perfect will of God. I'm telling you, my friends, I'm telling you, church family, I'm telling you, those of you listening and watching, when you make a decision in your life, you pray and you fast. Pray and fast. It is important that you take time 
to go to God. Sacrifice what you need to sacrifice. Pray every day to make sure that you're doing the right thing for yourself and for your family. And that was our decision because we knew that we were making a decision that not only affected us, but it affected our family. And we wanted to know the right way for us, not just our way. It actually talks about this in the book of Ezra, chapter number 8, verse number 21. It says, then I proclaimed a fast at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves. The Bible uses the word afflicting yourself. That's not talking about physical harm or cutting yourself or anything like that. The word afflicting ourselves is speaking of fasting. That we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us. Listen to this now. The Bible says that he proclaimed the fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God. Why? To seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Fasting ensures that you're making the right decision for not only yourself, but for your family. Fasting, along with prayer, ensures that you are making the right decision not only for yourself, but for your family and everything that belongs to you. The Bible says that they wanted to make sure it was the right way for them, for their little ones, and for all their substance. Because when you are out of the will of God and when you do things based on your flesh, not only will it affect you, but it will affect your family and the very things that God has blessed you with. That's why the scripture says, and all of our substance. Because wherever we go, we want to make sure everything we have comes with us. And see, we serve a God that when you are doing things uh, under humility in his sight, and when you're doing things according to his will, not only will he bless you, your little ones, and all of your substance, but he will bless you with more than enough. Uh-huh. And so it is important to understand that, that we're not moving vicariously just in our flesh because not only will you affect you, but you affect all things that are with you. There are things that many of you know that you have made decisions too quick without going to God first and you've lost things that you know you never should have lost. And some of you should be further along in your walk with God, should be further along when it comes to the things that you have and possess because, yes, God wants you to be blessed. Oh, yes, he does. He doesn't want you to have without. He doesn't want you to go without. But no, he wants you to have and have it more abundantly. So some of you should be further along in life and further along in your walk with God. But because you did not go to him and you moved based on your own agenda in time, you've lost things that you should already have. Uh-huh. That's why I am preaching. That's why I am imploring. That's why I'm talking to every man, woman, boy, and girl. I'm telling you, if you are 10, 11, 12 years old, you better start fasting. Because if you don't get it at the age of 12, you think you go get it at 16, you think you go get it at 22, you think you go get it at 42, there's 50, 60, 70-year-olds that still don't get it. But I'm telling you, if you are a teenager, if you're a young adult, get it now. Get prayer and fasting in your life now. Get sacrifice in your life now. Because when you start sacrificing now, it's going to be easier later. 
I don't want you to think, I don't want to take another minute right here without you understanding and having this simple principle that you think at the age of 30, all of a sudden your spiritual life is just going to kick in. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. But if you can learn at a young age how to discipline yourself, watch what God does for you. Watch what he does through you. You don't have to wait until I graduate high school, then I get serious. No, uh-uh. The devil is a liar. And if you got parents in your house teaching you that junk, the, the, the spirit, that, that's not of God. It's not of God. We shouldn't be teaching our children that they can't sacrifice and do certain things even at a young age. No, but we put it in them now. That's why we give them quarters. That's why we give them dollars for offering. It's the same principle. We're teaching them how to give. They're not earning an income, but no, they still put something in offering. It's the same way when it comes to prayer and fasting. So if you're in your home and the adults are fasting, but the children are still on their video games, watching TV, watching movies, and they don't take even 30 minutes just to sacrifice something? No, uh-uh. We've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. Because as parents, we are responsible for those little ones. The scripture says it in Ezra 8, 21. He says that we might afflict ourselves before God to seek him a right way for us, talking about the adults, and for our little ones, and for all our substance. So it's important to have a home. Hallelujah that Jesus can smile upon. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me, believers? To have a home Jesus can smile upon. Uh-huh. To have a home. Cornelius fasted four days and prayed daily until the Bible says a memorial came up before the Lord and it moved heaven. Scripture lets us know that God dispatched angels on his behalf and salvation came to his household. I want to encourage every mother. I want to encourage every husband. I want to encourage every wife that if you have children, if you have a spouse that is not living for God, that has not received the Holy Ghost, if you have children, if you have a husband, if you have a wife, anybody in your household that doesn't have a desire to live for God, or maybe they have a desire, but they just haven't been baptized with the Holy Ghost yet, fast. The Bible says that Cornelius fasted for four days and salvation came to his household. Salvation just didn't come to Cornelius, but because of Cornelius' sacrifice, it came to his household. I want to challenge you, fast, sacrifice, fast for your husband, fast. You don't have to make an announcement in your household. You don't have to tell him everything you're doing. You better believe, I grew up in a household where my mother would cook food day after day, make sure we were fed and she wouldn't eat. Now, as a teenager, I didn't quite understand, thought maybe she just wasn't that hungry. But now I understand, mama was fasting. That's what mama was doing. She was sacrificing. Why? Because she wanted her household to be saved. I'm, oh, hallelujah. I want to challenge you. If you want your household to be saved, don't settle. Don't wait. Don't just stop at prayer. But couple it with fasting. Sacrifice 
for your loved ones. Sacrifice for your children. Sacrifice for your husband. Sacrifice for your wife. It is not the will of God that any should perish. Sacrifice. The Bible says that Cornelius, his prayer and his fasting moved heaven. Hallelujah. It moved heaven. And because of it, salvation came to his home. And I know there are many out there that want salvation to come to their home. I'm telling you, pray and fast. I know you've been praying. I know you've been praying for years. Some of you may even say, I, I, I can almost feel it in the spirit. But Brother Robinson, I, I've tried fasting. What, what, what do you mean you've tried it? What, 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 what does that mean? You, you've, you've, you've tried it. No, no, no. We don't, we don't try it. It's, it's not like we, well, I, I tried you, God, but you didn't work. Wait a minute. Hold on now. We, we, we might have to check that type of spirit. No, uh-uh. We go right back to it. We say, Lord, it didn't happen last year, but it can happen this year. And I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. It didn't happen last month. Well, I'm going to do it again this month. And we keep, it's like someone that's wanting to receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he, he told them to wait, tarry in Jerusalem. That means to wait. They didn't know when it was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to take place. They didn't know what was going to happen in that upper room on that particular day with about 120. Because if it didn't happen on that day, guess what? They still was going to wait. And that's what you do. When you're waiting on God, we wait on him. But while we're waiting, we're praying and we're fasting and we're believing and we're trusting until it happens. Until it happens. Hallelujah. But we keep waiting. Yes, so if it don't happen on Monday, we try again on Tuesday. If it don't happen on Tuesday, we try again on Wednesday. If it don't happen on Wednesday, we try again on Thursday. But we keep waiting on Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 That's right. So it's important to know here that I stated on Sunday that there is a war going on in the world. There is a war going on in the world. And that war is both in the natural and it's in the spirit. So we must know that there are two kingdoms then. If there's a war going on, then there's two sides that are fighting each other. So there's two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom, the one that he has prepared for us. And then there is Satan's kingdom, the one that ends in eternal damnation or eternal fire. We know this because Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So this scripture lets us know that there is a demonic kingdom that is at war against God's kingdom. So, the scripture says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's why the scripture says that the weapons of our warfare, our being children of light, children of the king, of our warfare are not carnal, flesh and blood. But they are mighty through God. 
to the pulling down of strongholds. What strongholds is he talking about? Rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. But our fight is in the spirit. The pulling down of the wickedness of the enemy. So there is a war taking place against the two kingdoms. And the way we fight our battle is through prayer, it's through fasting, being diligent in his word. The Bible says that we are overcomers, blood of the lamb, word of our testimony. That's how we fight our battles. So if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, you're in a battle that you will not win. Let me say that again. You are in a battle that you will not win. Mm -hmm. You won't win. But brother, I, I've got Jesus. Look, but brother, I'm on the Lord's side. So was Paul. Paul was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost on the Lord's side. But Paul said, I have to keep myself under subjection lest I myself be a castaway. That's how we win this battle. We have to fight in the spirit. Daniel warred against this kingdom in the spirit. We find this in Daniel chapter number 10. He needed an answer from God, and he knew how to get it. He fasted and prayed for three weeks. For the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse number 11, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I came, or excuse me, and I am come for thy words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty-one days. Below, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me. Daniel prayed and fasted on day one. God sent the answer through the angel on day one. But the answer did not come day one. Because there's a war that is taking place between two kingdoms. And the war is in the spirit. Daniel, the Bible says that he seeked God for understanding. And so since he needed understanding, the Bible says in verse number 12, he chastened himself or he, he fasted before the Lord. He began to pray and fast. The answer didn't come. Day two. He stayed praying and fasting. Day three, he stayed praying and fasting. Day four, he stayed praying and fasting. Day 19, he was still praying and fasting. Day 20, he's still praying and fasting until day 21. Finally, an angel shows up, giving him an answer that he was seeking on day one. What are you saying, preacher? 
Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let this be a lifestyle. Don't stop because something doesn't happen in one day. Don't stop because you're expecting something to happen in three days. Don't stop. Don't quit. See, many of us, because we don't have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, we go to him in a time of need, and we need something right then. And yes, sometimes God will, he will deliver, but then sometimes he doesn't. And we can become frustrated because we don't receive what we need right then. But when you have a lifestyle of prayer, when you have a lifestyle of fasting, even when the answer does not come, my brothers and my sisters, don't stop. Even when the answer doesn't show up a week later, don't quit. Even it's been a while, don't stop. Daniel kept praying, kept fasting, because God sent the answer on day one. There was just a war happening in the spirit. And there's a war happening in your home. There's a war happening with your children. There's a war happening in our marriages. There's a war happening in this world. And we must continue to be diligent in our prayer and in our fasting. I want to end with this. If we are not fasting consistently, it is either because we have become undisciplined and we do not want to fight against the attacks of Satan or we lack understanding and we don't really know the power behind prayer and fasting. I hope it's the latter. I hope that we are not undisciplined. I hope that we're not giving up the fight when it comes to some of our loved ones and in our homes. I hope that many of us just lack understanding that we don't fully comprehend the power that comes along with fasting. Jesus said, this kind can come out only or by nothing but prayer and fasting. There are some things that you're going to battle in your life, my friend, that is only going to come about through prayer and Fasting. Don't stop. Don't wait on a preacher to tell you when, but have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Understand today that God is yearning, he's looking, and he's searching for people that are willing to humble themselves, pray, and seek his face. You have children, you have a husband and wife, that needs God in their life, fast. If you're listening today and you're seeking the gift that belongs to you, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you haven't received it yet, fast. Fast. Ask God to help you, to give you a full, repentive heart. Help me, God. Get out of me whatever needs to get out of me so that you can come in me. Fast. Watch what God does. The Bible.
Bible says that Cornelius fasted and it blessed his whole house. Salvation came to his whole house. Fast. There are things, I know I feel it in the spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There are things that you're dealing with in your home, in your life, and in your mind. There's things that you're wrestling with in your spirit. All across this nation, all across this world. I'm telling you right now. Prayer and fasting. You bring those things together because there's some things that's not going to take place in your life until you pray and you fast. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, wherever you are, bow your heads, lift your hands unto the Lord. Now's the time to ask God to help you and search your heart. God, help us right now. Give us the mindset. Help us, Jesus to be diligent in our prayer and our fasting. Lord, I pray, oh God, help them to understand that when they mix fasting with prayer, their prayer is intensified. I pray, oh God, that they may see through your word that it is important that once we are brought into the kingdom of God through the process of water, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that there is another process to remain in the kingdom of God. That, Lord, once we're brought under your care, under your protection, under your wings, O oh Lord, that, God, we can remove ourselves from under that care. But, God, help us, Lord, to not lack obedience, Lord. We don't want to be disobedient, but help us, Lord, to be obedient to your word, to be obedient to those that have rule over us. God, that comes through sacrifice. That comes through submission. God, we can only discipline our flesh through fasting. To help us, Lord to see what you want us to see, to be where we need to be, that you may direct our lives, direct our thoughts. We give you glory and we give you praise because we know that it's all because of you and only you that we live, move, and have our being. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Wherever you are, somebody to say amen. amen. May God bless you today. We hope to see you soon. Look forward to seeing those on this Sunday at 10 and at noon. Remember tomorrow afternoon at 7 p.m. Join us. Just go to the website. Click on Discipleship Class. You'll join the Zoom Discipleship course there. May God bless you. We love you. Can't wait to see you again in Jesus' name.